Hello and welcome to another episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm your host, Matt Sausch. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a returning listener, then welcome back. This is episode 21 of the Craft Beer Talk Show and part 3 of our little Canadian beer story series. I'll, I'll debrief what we've been over so far in just a moment. Uh, as well as introduce what we'll be talking about in terms of the finale uh, of this whole thing. But first, something very important to discuss. Uh, I mentioned it on my last episode. Uh, I also mentioned I would be releasing some information on it midweek, which came out Thursday, which was yesterday. Uh, This, of course, is the Craft Beer Talk Show Introductory to Craft Beer Choice of the Year Award and its finalist. Um, so I released the list of finalists on my Instagram at uh, Craft Beer Talk Show. All of that stuff you can find in the description of every episode. So uh, I'm going to list the finalists here uh, on this episode. You can go in and view the post on Instagram. But the, the finalists are Furnace Room Brewery and their Beardmore Kolsch. Uh, McKinnon Brothers Brewing with their Crosscut Canadian Ale. Uh, again, McKinnon Brothers Brewing with their Harvest Ale. So two McKinnon Brothers Brewing beers on the list. Um, Naughty Otter uh, with their Lager. And again, Naughty Otter with their Pilsner. So two Naughty Otter beers as well. Um, then we've got Old Credit Brewing with their Iced Aged Pilsner. We have Steam Whistle Brewing with their premium session lager. Then we also have Storyteller Beverages with their lager. So that is eight beers and six different breweries. Um, So a lot of good beers involved in this thing, of course. If this is your first time, you may not know what I'm talking about. So I'll explain it uh, briefly. I've explained it many times before, so this might be the last. It's an award for beers that allow mainstream drinkers to introduce themselves to the craft world uh, or for people who had an idea of what the craft scene was like. Usually it's it's a bad one, but uh, this beer and the finalists do a, a good job of persuading otherwise. So typically they're, they're lagers or pilsners. Um, there are some lighter, less hoppy ales. Uh, which got in there as well. We had we had two actually from the same brewer, McKinnon Brothers. Uh, they're both very good. And if you want to kind of participate uh, um, in, in this, all of these beers were on an episode uh, of the Craft Beer Talk Show. So you can go back and actually listen. Um, if you want to try every single beer, you know, feel free to, feel free to do that. Um, but you listen to the episodes and you can kind of get an idea of the stories of the breweries, and uh, what I thought of the beers, and then obviously you can taste them for yourself. As for the results and winner, that will be announced on episode 23, which airs on November 27th. So prior to that, I'll be putting polls uh, on my Instagram page for people to vote on, uh, and that will be taken into serious consideration when I pick uh, the final winner. So stay tuned for that. Uh, The winner gets nothing but bragging rights and uh, a certification that they can hang up in the brewery if they so choose to. Uh, it's kind of just like a degree, like a little thing. But you know what? If someone walks into the brewery and sees, oh, hey, craft beer talk show, introduction to craft beer, choice of the year award. Hmm, what's that about? 
if that brewery has ever listened to my podcast, they can explain it, or I'll probably uh, explain a little bit on the certification. You know, it's a free award, so why wouldn't you want it? Uh, so before we move on to the main topic, the finale, as I mentioned, I did want to address something else, uh, which is the new renovations to uh, the new studio that I'm going to be recording in. Uh, I thought that maybe they would be ready for this episode, uh, but I can promise that they will be ready for episode 22, which is next week. Um, so that'll be exciting. I do apologize. I think on the uh, last episode, episode 20, um, I predicted or hoped that uh, I would be viewing or recording, I should say, in uh, the new studio. And I mentioned that I would be using this new studio for not only myself, right, a better environment, but for you guys as well. And I'd be able to do more uh, recordings. You can actually see me, uh, see more of me actually trying these beers out. Um, and I mentioned that I might even record the entire episode or at least the entire tasting uh, and put that stuff on, on YouTube. So there's going to be tons more content with this studio. And that's kind of like the, the whole idea, right? That's, that's the, um, the bonus to it all. So today's topic, let's get into it. Um, I mentioned it's the third installment of our Canadian beer story. Uh, the first part we talked about the beer of New France uh, and the early settlers, and we talked about the first ever brewery as well as the first ever commercial brewer because there is a difference, so you have to go back and, and listen to that if you haven't heard uh, about it in New France. Um, and that was provided to us by our friend Jean Talon. So if you want to learn all about him, that is episode 19. Um, I believe, I don't want to get that wrong, episode 19, yeah, this is episode 21, quick maths right there for you guys, um, and then after the failure of that brewery, so I guess that's a spoiler, uh, and the conquering of Quebec, we talked about the uprising uh, of beer in what was known as British North America, we then transitioned into the rise of our English-speaking Quebecers, uh, which put a stamp on the map of Canadian beer legends such as John Molson. And we capped that episode off with pretty much um, what we know to be the mainstream brewing industry in Canada today. So let's dive into the final chapter in our Canadian beer story. And that's, of course, uh, to talk about the ever so powerful craft beer movement. Uh, in order to do that, we need to, again, backtrack just a little bit, not as far back um, as the previous segments I, I mentioned but far enough to get an understanding of what you know the industry and how many breweries there were before this whole craft thing came about. So before the First World War, Canada had 117 independent breweries. We'll quickly fast forward. See, we didn't do a whole lot of backtracking, literally one sentence. We quickly, quickly fast forward to 1980, and there are just 10 brewing companies left. And, of course, the big three was now uh, Molson, Labatt's, and Carling O'Keefe. Between the three of them, they own 96% of the market. Uh, Labatt Blue and Molson Canadian were pretty much the main beer of choice uh, by Canadian drinkers at this time. Lighter lagers and, and beers filled with tons of corn or rice to, to lighten the, uh, like the beer traditional barley base was what met the standard uh, for the average Canadian beer drinker. But of course, there were angered ones uh, who just could not take it anymore. For example, John Mitchell from Horseshoe Bay, Vancouver, uh, his local pub, which is called the Troller Pub, 
um, was dominated by carling taps. And those carling taps had gone dry in 1979 due to the carling brewery going on strike. This made Mitchell extremely upset, uh, and he was inspired by the ales of his British homeland to team up with an ex-brewer by the name of Frank Appleton. Um, he quit Carling because he hated their bland lagers, so pretty blunt way to put it. Um, so the two of them teamed up, and they started their own brewery. Uh, and they built Canada's first cottage brew pub out of old dairy equipment. Uh, in order to break even, Mitchell figured that he would need to sell at least one keg of beer to the Troller Pub, which was his pub um, that he, he frequented every single day. On his very first day in 1982, he sold seven. So uh, the people kind of had spoken. You know, they, they preferred what uh, John Mitchell was brewing, and, you know, the rest is history after this. Microbrewing and home brewing started to, to take off, and that was partly inspired by the way it was taking off in the United States. So Canada's first microbrewery opened in 1984 with Granville Island uh, in Vancouver and Brick Brewing in Waterloo, Ontario, which is now known as Waterloo Brewing. Um, five years later after that, 42 new breweries opened uh, mostly in British Columbia and Ontario, and they produced beers such as wheat ales, stouts, pale ales. Canadians hadn't seen these in decades, so there was a lot of variety at this time, but of course, not everybody uh, took to this movement, and many breweries around the country collapsed in the uh, early 90s. This was known as the bust period. Uh, according to some, it was more of a shedding of the, the poorly conceived or poorly performing players as uh, would happen in any maturing phase. Through the late 90s and 2000, breweries again began to take off, which led to what was known as the boom. So the boom uh, had a great deal to do with um, the new player in the game in terms of consumers of beer, uh, and they were known as hopheads. You listening might be a hophead and you might not even know it, but growing uh, out of the local food movement, which was uh, pretty much paying tribute to local producers uh, and growers of food, uh, so why not beer too, right? I basically promote that every single episode of the Craft Beer Talk Show. I'm always saying support local, so I guess call me um, a big supporter of the local food movement, um, and if you know... I'm your average hophead, I would say. Uh, my buddy Ryan Bond, shout out, huge hophead. So if you want a prime example of what a hophead is, that guy, big hophead. Um, so by 2001, 163 breweries and brew pubs operated in every single province uh, and the Yukon. So we flash forward 10 years after that, there's over 300 craft breweries. Uh, in operation with over a hundred more in planning, so these took off in, incredibly. You know, it was a, a fantastic uh, business opportunity. Everybody wanted a different style. Everybody has a different story. Everybody wanted to take place uh, and support basically their neighbor and their their fellow, you know, Canadian, their fellow Ontario, whatever the province may be. People wanted to to give back. Since then. Craft beer has been uh, experiencing year after year double-digit growth, uh, and commercial brewing sales actually started to drop. 
And so this led to the big breweries having to make big moves. Uh, typically, it would involve the, the bigger names to buy uh, these microbreweries outright. But others had sort of a different approach to it, which was to sort of start their own craft division within the company. So, for example, uh, Molson started their own craft beer division called Six Pints, um, which housed the microbreweries that they would acquire. So some breweries would be Creemore Springs, um, Granville Island Brewing Company. So big names that you might not have known were owned by Molson. And now you do know. So this, of course, created controversy within the entire craft community as the big breweries who, who bought these smaller companies would still market the beers independent. Um, of course, the truly independent breweries uh, don't have the money to market and advertise uh, to keep up. But unfortunately, without a real definition of like what craft really means, um, they, of course, can get away with it which is why it's important to do your research. And, and that's kind of everything that I've talked about on this episode. There's more to what meets the eye. And if you see something that's you know locally independent, I think it really is important to know their story. Um, get to know kind of the background information on the product. One, you'll enjoy the product 10 times more. And, you know, you establish kind of a relationship with that company or, you know, worse comes to worse, you find out, yeah, you are still supporting the, these big names, not saying that it's bad beer. Um, of course, when it comes down to this, it, it does matter what's in the glass, first and foremost. So if you do love a beer, um, a, a independent brewery, I'm doing air quotes right now, you can't see it, but um, you do like that beer and you find out it's owned by Molson or whatever, and you like it, hey, to each his own. But it's important to know um, these things. So if you, you are wanting to give back to a smaller company, smaller breweries, a mom, pa shop, whatever, really get to the bottom of it, do your research. But that cops off, uh, caps off the finale uh, to the Canadian beer story and leaves us off exactly where um, we are in, in these current times. Um, you know, you've got the big competitors, You've got the independents, the truly independents, and and the micro competitors, and of course you have the small competitors who are actually just the big names in disguise. So if you want to see more, um, specifically province by province, and kind of what each province has to offer, what each province um, kind of specializes in in terms of craft and and their local beer. Uh, I'll post a link in the description of this episode of basically where I got all the information from. Um, It's very informative. Uh, It's from a website called the uh, Canadian Encyclopedia. And uh, they had a ton uh, of beer information on there. And it's good to know, right? Uh, There's a lot of stuff that I learned. And obviously there's stuff you know. But this really also, as someone who is an advocate for craft beer, really also opens your eyes. Because you get to look into the past and I got to see step by step how we got to where we are today. Um, and I have a stronger respect for the independent brewers and, and craft brewers after reading this. And of course, I will continue to be an advocate for them. But let's get to the number one most important segment of the Craft Beer Talk Show, which is the beer segment. Um, today, we are featuring a brewery by the name of uh, Nine 
Poets Brewing. This beer was ever so kindly donated to the show, so of course uh, we have to talk about it. Uh, it took a while to get to me, but nonetheless, it's here. Uh, I'm very eager to try it. It's called the Hazy Mariner. Uh, it's an IBA, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about uh, Nine Poets Brewing themselves. So they do have an Instagram page, which I'll, I'll post um, in the description of this show, of this uh, this episode. Um, but other than that, their website is under construction, so it's not fully launched yet. So there's no information on there to really find out um you know much about them so what do you do when in doubt and having to research a, a brewery for the craft beer talk show well you go to the can that is the model you go to the can of the beer uh, and see what it has to say so it does say that it's brewed in toronto ontario so my guess is i mean i could have asked the information i guess that's a that's a, a bad look on me as a host. I should have asked the questions before uh, I feature them, but there's always got to be a follow-up show, right? Of course. So we'll have to get um, the owner of Nine Poets uh, on the on the show to talk about his beer. Um, but what I like to think about um, Nine Poets in this Hazy Mariner, it says it's brewed in Toronto from talking that makes me believe that the beer is probably contract brewed for now until they get their own spot, uh, which is totally fine. It's still their beer, their recipe. Um, so as far as we know, it's an IPA. Um, the brewery is called Nine Poets Brewing, and the beer is called the Hazy Mariner. As far as a story, now this is a good, um, a good point that I like, is that they actually kind of put their story... Uh, on the can so of course if they don't have a brewery they don't have a website where else are they going to market themselves other than their their instagram page um but they do have on the side of their can kind of a small story and it's an awesome story so i'm going to read it from the can so it says 40 years ago two families moved into homes four doors apart in coleridge drive um, a friendship was immediately born between the five-year-old boys in those homes. Uh, the neighborhood streets, nine of them named after famed historical poets, uh, would see the boys grow closer over the years. After spending countless hours playing road hockey and tennis and attending everything from swimming lessons to birthday parties, the boys grew up and moved away. Fate would bring the boys back together and Coleridge Drive would become the inspiration of Nine Poets' first beer, the Hazy Mariner. This maiden voyage for Nine Poets drew its name from Samuel Coleridge's most famous poem, The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. So, uh, very cool. The, the can, I love the can. Um, it has this kind of like seagull-pelican-looking beard. I think it's actually an albatross, maybe, in the background. Um, and then you have the captain of the ship steering the boat. Um, you can see the, the, the steering wheel in front here. And I, I love the colors. It's got uh, ocean decals in the back. They got their album. Um, I, I really like the can. And obviously, you know, when I like a can, I hope to like the beer. So that's kind of all I have to say about, you know, the background history. Obviously, I like to give a bit more. 
but I've said it multiple times, this only uh, is just begging uh, for an interview uh, with Nine Poets Brewing to to tell us more about their beer. Because, of course, on the Craft Beer Talk Show, I want um, Nine Poets Brewing to have, you know, whatever they can get from this. You know, I, I want to give them as much publicity as possible. And even if this is a small amount of listeners, then so be it, right? All publicity is good publicity. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, crack open the beer and then we're we're gonna get to talking about uh drinking it so be right back okay i am back and the beer is poured uh it's a lovely looking color actually not as hazy as i thought it would be it does have some some clearness to it so uh it actually is a beautiful looking kind of orangey golden orangey color um thick head tons of head on it uh, the aromas hit you as soon as they open the can. Uh, in terms of statistics, uh, like I said, it's a IPA. They called it a hazy IPA, hence the hazy mariner, but uh, not as hazy as I thought it would be. I actually really, really like the way this looks in a cold glass, um, but it is 5.3 alcohol by volume, and it's uh, packed loaded with 35 IBUs, so decent amount of hops. Um a little more, I'd say probably for an IPA, it's definitely on the lower end, I would say. So on the lower end um, of bitterness, and let's give it a smell. So as I mentioned, as soon as I opened the can and started pouring, uh, I got that aromas. And I, I think this beer smells beautifully, I think, in terms of the checkpoints of everything I'd want from an IPA, especially if I'm thinking more so, you know, like a, a traditional, simple, nothing, you know, out of the box or I guess the term is actually outside the box, not out of the box. Oh, that was terrible. But uh, outside of the box, I think this is this is pretty, you know, spot on. Uh, I get those, the smells of citrus. Um, I get a little bit of pine, and of course you can you can. So it's not overpowering with with bitterness on the nose. Like it's it's pleasant, uh, pretty floral. Something that you would want to drink. You know, sometimes you can get kind of scared off by the aromas in, in some IPAs, especially if they're they're high alcohol or jam packed with dry hopping and and all that kind of stuff. Depends if you're a hop head or not, right? Like Ryan Bond, as I mentioned perfect example of a hophead i think he would really like this beer uh, especially everything that goes along with it in terms of the the uh, ideologies behind it but uh, let's give it a taste and uh, see if we can give it a fair score hmm. okay hmm. so i would say everything i kind of just said about it being traditional um being kind of the standard it's pretty spot on to also how it tastes. Um, the aromas, I think, match the taste. So, of course, you get that citrusy. There's not a lot of lingering bitterness. Um, sometimes I find IPAs really linger. So I think that you could probably, once your palate adjusted um, to the, the levels of hop that this, this provides, I think you could definitely crush a few of these in a row um so I, I don't think it's too sessionable i think it's pretty introductory 
um, two IPAs. So if there was an award, a craft beer talk show introductory to IPA, uh, choice of the year, the Hazy Mariner would definitely be up for it. I'm going to give it uh, one more taste and then we can uh, give it a, a score. Hmm. I'm getting a, a little bit of kind of like pear. I, I get that, that pine kind of on the back. I do get an orange peel kind of taste. Uh, I, I really like this beer, um, to be honest with you. I think uh, I think they do a pretty good job. Uh, like simple in terms of IPAs. This is when I order an IPA at a restaurant. This is exactly pretty much what I would want it to be like. Uh, I loved the color of the beer. Um, the pour was beautifully. He uh, he had mentioned to me when I he brought this to me that these were I believe freshly canned, um, and it was pretty much a new release. Um, I was also told that it was actually kind of like a hybrid. Uh, I'm, I didn't really follow up with that statement, so I'm not too sure what it means. I don't know if it's supposed to be less hoppy or if it's uh, maybe it's supposed to be hazier. Um, and that's why he says it's kind of a hybrid because it's not necessarily what their intent is, but they'll take it. If that's the case, I mean, I, th- I think you should stick with this because it is just absolutely gorgeous. You can see what it looks like uh, when I post the the video I took of the pouring on Instagram. Uh, as far as a score for this beer, I'm going to give it a 7.7. So 7.5 would traditionally be kind of you know, standard. I'm going to give it a tad bit above that because I do think that it's it is the standard, of course. It is traditionally done, but I think they do it really well. Um, and this 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 brewery is is really small, as far as I know. Um, I'm not too sure where the actual where they say Coleridge Drive is. It doesn't actually say a city; it just says the street name. And I would assume there's probably more than one Coleridge Drives. Uh, in all of Ontario, but uh, I'd like to ask more questions about this beer because I think that like, it's got so much potential, and I definitely want all my followers, everyone who listens to this podcast, to go check out Nine Poets. The uh, Instagram handle will be in the description of the episode. I, I just think that this is a beer people need to know about, and uh, I- I'm obsessed with kind of the whole imagery behind it. I- I'm into that kind of stuff, so... I think that's really cool. Um, as far as it being, you know, quality of beer, I think it's it's it is really quality. I think seven point seven is a really good score. Of course, the only thing I probably would have liked is more of like a juicier kind of component to it. Um, it has the bitterness. I think that the flavors, in terms of the hops and kind of the citrus that that they get from that, is pleasant. But I wish there was more of like a a juicier component, not necessarily more like citrus or anything like that, but almost, I don't want to use the word smoother because it's not like it's, it's not smooth, but, uh, I don't know. Take, take what you will for my suggestion. And, uh, other than that, the beer, the beer is awesome. I also need to find out what LCBOs you can get this in because I don't, if it's brewed in Toronto, it should be available uh, in the GTA, but I've never seen it in any of the LCBOs I've explored to. 
um, in southern Ontario. So I can't necessarily even tell you where to pick up this beer, which I guess just proves my point of you having to go follow them on Instagram uh, and ask them yourselves. Um, I did see that they, they I think, just recently got into the LCBO, which could explain a lot of things. Um, on their Instagram, they kind of had a, a congratulatory uh, celebration not too long ago. It might have been a few months ago, but still, that's pretty recent. So as soon as I get updates, I'll let my people know. But if you're eager to try this beer out, and I suggest that you should be, um, ask them yourself and, and get your hands on this because the Hazy Mariner is a very good pint, 7.7. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better beer to close out episode 21 of the Craft Beer Talk Show. Next week, I promise, uh, we'll be in the, the new setup. And honestly, I don't think, I think I'm overhyping it. I think when you guys see it, you're going to be like, this is what we, we waited for. Um, so I'll apologize in advance for that. Uh, so until then, Cheers.